Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. So somebody buys a property for £750,000 plus VAT, it costs them £750,000 on top to convert it, they've got to pay VAT on conversion, JD, what rate of VAT are they paying on conversion? 5% and if they, if they sell the flats, can they claim back the VAT? Yes, yes, if they sell the flats. If they don't sell the flats, can they claim back the VAT? They can't unless they do what? Have a lease. So all service accommodation, years. yeah, of longer than 21 years, okay, so that's that bit covered, otherwise no reclaim, unless you've got the lease, so we've already covered this. So let's look at a scenario, husband and wife buy a property through an LLP to rent out, they obtain planning permission, and when you, when you obtain planning permission, what happens to the value of a property or land? Generally speaking, goes up, okay. Uh, and they incorporate when it's worth one and a half million pounds, then they rent it out as serviced accommodation for a short while in this particular scenario, and then they claim capital allowances on uh, the purchase price and the refurb. So whenever you're buying commercial property, always make sure, and Pete and Oliver kind of know this because we talked about it a bit on Monday evening, make sure that you look at the capital allowances. And when your solicitor does the commercial property standard inquiries, you've got to make sure you leave flexibility in there to negotiate this. Because if they put, uh, uh, agree to a figure of zero or nil, it's harder for you to claim. So at that point, you say to your solicitor, I'm going to speak to a tax person and come back to you with capital allowances and leave this open so we can have that conversation. When you say this open, what open? A section? The, capital allowances element. You don't fix it and say we're going to do a survey of the property, work out what we can claim, and then work out uh, what, what we can have in the agreement. Yeah? Most lawyers end up putting NA, zero or nil. That just makes it harder. Well, still they're subject to capital allowances. Is it 20% of the purchase price? You There's no percent. There's no, 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 that's, no. That's all made up stuff uh, to some extent. Uh, based on people's experience. So in this room here, what do you think make qualify for capital allowances? Lights, pictures, air conditioning units, yeah. speakers. Boiling. Speakers are movable, so no. Boilers. Uh, they're built in. Uh, yes. Yeah. So all that type of stuff. Sockets. Okay. You can claim capital allowances on. So it, it can't be a fixed percentage because different buildings have different items in them. Yeah. So it depends on what they are. Now, generally speaking, some people uh, will say to you, you can claim 20%, some will say to you 30%. What they're saying is, that's what, on average, a claim ends up being. But that doesn't mean that's what the figure's gonna, going to be for you on a particular building, because it depends what's in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Do we have to have a capital uh, specialist in, to allow a specialist in? Yeah, because otherwise, they won't be able to work it out for you. And do you know what the, the rough um, charges of that is? They usually take a percentage of the back of it. What's yeah. normal, yeah. 2 to 5%. Yeah. 
Yeah. So call it three and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So in this particular scenario, uh, and then, so bought the property for 750, refurb 750, sold it for 2.25 million, so made 750,000 pounds profit. So we've already covered the SDLT and the saving, but by saying to JD, you can either do a transfer going concern or a VAT 1614D. If you do that, we've said you save on the SDLT, and obviously you also save on paying any interest on the VAT element, because generally speaking, when you buy a property, you get a loan from a bank or a third party lender, and if you need the VAT to be funded, you've got to pay interest on that too, and a further arrangement fee. So if you can avoid paying the VAT element, you've got the interest saving as well. Uh, so, so this person saved four and a half thousand pounds by doing that. They incorporated their, uh, so they got the capital allowances. In this particular case, they worked out to be four hundred fifty thousand pounds, which is on the purchase plus the refurb. So remember, if you're running service accommodation, you get two bites of the cherry done. One on the purchase, when you do the refurb, you've got new equipment, so you get further capital allowances. So in this case here, it worked out to be four hundred fifty thousand pounds in terms of value, that in terms of tax saving at 19%, gives you 85,500 pounds. And then they saved on the, uh, on the corporation tax because when you move your property from your own name, Oliver and Pete, into a limited company, and let's say you bought the property for 750 grand some time ago, and when you incorporate or uh, move it into a limited company, what becomes the new base cost on the purchase price of that property? Do you remember from Monday? When we did well, it's finally that, uh, time at the time. Corporate, yeah. yeah. So the beauty here is if you have a property worth a million pounds, or let's say you've got a property with a, a million pound gain, because you, you bought it for 500 grand, it's now worth one and a half million in your own name, so you've got a million pound gain. Okay, if you sell that, you've got to pay. Uh, income tax, like we, oh, sorry, uh, capital gains tax, like we covered with our friend over here. It doesn't apply if you move into a, a limited company because companies don't pay capital gains tax, companies pay corporation tax. Yeah, but because you move the property from your own names into a limited company, you have an uplift in the base cost, which means when the, when, the prop, when the property moves into a, a, a limited company, the purchase price, although it's not been purchased because you'd use your transfer, but the, we call it base cost for tax purposes. The base cost today is one and a half million. So if you sell that property down a month after putting into a, a, a limited company, or say six months after putting into a limited company, for one and a half million pounds, how much corporation tax are you gonna pay? Mm-hmm. Remembering that there's a million pound gain from when you bought it to now. So when I transferred from a personal name uh, to the company, if I purchased it for 500k, but I've already obtained the planning permission and it's now valued at 1 million, do I pay the incorporation uh, tax of 19% on a million or on a 500k? No, you pay corporation tax on how much you sell it for, less how much the property was worth when it was introduced into your company. But it was already worth 1 million. It was worth 1.5 million and you've sold it for, let's say, 1.6 million, so you pay corporation tax on 100 grand. Does everybody get that? How much is corporation tax? 19% going up to 23% over a number of years. So, Dan has a number of properties, and let's say you've got 10 properties which you bought for 100 grand each, uh, and he bought them 10 years ago, and now they're worth 200 grand each. 
Okay, so he's made a gain of uh, one million pounds, yeah? Mm -hmm. So 100 grand each, 10 properties, cost you a million pounds. Today they're worth two million pounds. He's made a million pound gain. If he sells those properties to somebody out there, open market value, he's got to pay uh, capital gains tax at 20%. He's a high rate taxpayer. Basic rate taxpayer, 18%, yeah? Which we've already covered with Robert, yeah? Everybody okay with that? Dan says, Section 24 affects me, so I want to incorporate. And when he bought the properties, he bought them with his life partner, so they were bought as a partnership. Every year he's been filing partnership tax returns, okay? And come to now, year five or whatever, uh, he wants to incorporate. If a partnership incorporates into a limited company, no stamp duty land tax to pay. Yeah, partnership. Individual, uh, Robert, you have to pay STLT. Once, when Dan moves them into a limited company, somebody over there said capital gains tax, he has to pay capital gains tax. But because he's, he's incorporating his entire business, i.e. all the 10 properties, if he does six or eight or four or two, it ain't gonna work. If you do the whole lot, because it's one business, and moves it into a limited company, he claims section 162 incorporation relief which means no capital gains tax at that time. There is something called a roll-up of tax. We don't need to worry about that for this particular example. So he moves all his properties into a limited company. They're over here now, okay? Uh, he refinances because the, the loan is in the name of a company. If he then sells those properties one by one from the limited company, the, the purchase price for his purposes, which is called base cost really, is 200 grand. So he will, that will be his cost. If he sells them for 250 grand, he only pays corporation tax on the 50 grand uplift. So he saved a tax on that million, first million pounds. If he sells the shares, as in the entire uh, company, then the scenario is different. That's when the roll up capital gains comes into it, but he's not gonna do that because he wants to sell them one by one over a number of years. The only problem he's got or a challenge he's got, if he sells them individually, he pays capital gains tax, he, the net amount is sat in his bank account, he can do what he likes with it, okay? Pay if his mortgage gone on holiday, do, do what he likes. If he sells it in a company, the money's stuck in a company, now if he wants to take the money out personally, he's gotta pay income tax on the salary, dividend, or distribution. But he may not wish to do that, because he may want to move away from property and invest in something else through the company, earn income, and then take that out. Does that make sense? So, Joel, Dawn, and then Pete. Just a quick one. When you say um, purchasing a partnership, you're talking about an LLP and then... No. no just, just there's a, there's two forms of partnership. Yeah. LLP or a standard uh, unincorporated partnership, okay. which is two or more individuals. Or it, could be so an, or, or it could be an individual and a limited company, which is called a mixed partnership. And so it's when you transfer from any partnership into an, or when you incorporate it from any partnership? Into a limited company. Okay. Yep. Dawn? Yep. And we've got a limited company for the other properties, so we could incorporate that one house, which is the only one that, apart from our residential, that's the only property we own in our own names, we could incorporate that and put it into the limited. But you can't claim Section 162 Incorporation Relief. 
because the claim section wants you to incorporation relief, you have to demonstrate you have a business. To have a business, at the moment, the, the main case is called the Elizabeth Moyne Ramsey case, uh, which went to tribunal, and Miss Ramsey spent 20 hours working in her business uh, and had 10 flats or apartment, yeah, 10 flats. So, and, and the judge at the tribunal said, just because she has a, a, a certain number of properties doesn't mean it's not a business. It is a business, uh, and therefore she can claim Section 162 incorporation. If, if you have one property, you'd struggle to demonstrate it's a business simply because you're not, you, to say you spend 20 hours looking after that business isn't going to work. With Dan's example, with 10 properties, it's easy to quantify, don't. So even if we've been renting that property out for the last 10 years, yeah. we still would say it's yeah. not enough. Yeah, that's right. Pete, and then we'll come to Robert. So, so we've got our, our, our site, um, <coughs> and we get planning permission to put uh, retirement homes on, say 50 units. And we do that as individuals, as private people. Once they are built, and then they, then the, then the whole uh, development gets a, a, a uh, evaluation, can that be then incorporated? So then, then and then the business can sell the, the, the units off as they want if they want to or rent some, without having to pay. Um, it depends on the uplift. How long it takes you to sell in, in the company? But yes, you can. I, I can see where you're going with this and the answer is yes. But if it takes you five years to sell, then the properties you sell in year four or year five are going to have a bigger gain. So you'll have more capital gains or corporation tax to pay. The, the properties you sell within a year or 18 months of incorporating, it can be a smaller gain, so you'll have less to pay. Does that make sense? Yeah? Right. But you can, yes. Right. Okay. okay. Robert? Do you have to demonstrate that you've managed these properties yourself? Before you can Ideally, because otherwise we won't meet the 20 hour rule. Right, so we have to, you, you can't. Not all of them, but if you're managing most of them, that would be helpful. No, but if you're not, if you're an agent's managing them. It's going to be difficult for us to demonstrate you are spending 20 hours. And that's the problem you're going to have. Any other questions on that? Okay, so once you've got the money in, using the example of the commercial conversion. So com commercial conversions, are a trading activity, okay? Because you're buying, refurbing, and then looking to sell. So let's say you've done that, We're using the example I shared earlier, from an LLP, you move it to a limited company, you get the gain, uh, the benefit of the uplift in value, uh, because you've incorporated, and then you want to sell uh, all the flats, and you, if you sell them in one go, for example, to one person, uh, or to 10 individuals, we're using the, the earlier example, you can then claim entrepreneur's relief by liquidating the company. I think we, we covered that for you earlier. But you liquidate, claim entrepreneur's relief, and only pay 10% tax and take all the money out, up to one million pounds per shareholder. Does that make sense to everybody? No. So you've done a, a commercial conversion, Dana, in, and you started in a partnership, you, could, you get the planning, uplift in value, then you incorporate, so the, the, the value of the land is higher now, or the, the property is higher, so you get an uplift in the, in, in the base cost in the company, you then uh, refurbish it, sell off the units, and you've got two million pounds in your company, and you think, if I take all this money out myself, 
I've got to pay income tax, which is going to be a big figure. Let's say this you and Joel, who have gone into partnership, you then say, this is the only deal we're doing for the time being. You can liquidate the company, claim entrepreneur's relief, take up the million pound each, only pay 10% tax. So you get 900 grand each, okay? However, you then can't do the same business for the next two years. So you do this when you're looking to move on to do the something same. else. It can't be really the same. How much the same? No, if, if you're doing anything that's like commercial conversions or linked to property, you, you, you can't do it again. Uh, and, and the challenge you've got is even if you want to do it again, if you've if you used up your million pound allowance, there's no benefit. So if it's 250 grand, for example, you've got 750 to go out in the future, yeah? Mark. Does that liquidation include just liquidating SPVs? So if you yeah. go into a JV, let's yeah. say BMP go into a JV, create an SPV, yeah. sell his business, and then we can't do anything for two years. In that sector? In that sector. Yeah. Even if it, even if it was an SPV that we were looking at. No, you can, you can go into that sector, okay, after two years. Yeah, yeah. Because what used to happen was uh, people used to liquidate, claim entrepreneur's relief, and then lo and behold, two months later, there's a new company opened up, okay, and they're doing the same thing again. Okay? Is that just limited with if you're working with the same person or is it to do with the business? So to do with the business sector. Okay. Because it stops oh, you. I couldn't go and work with uh, no. somebody else and, and do the same. No. So is it, is, it, is it two years from when you start the project or when you liquidate the project from the end or from the start of the project? From when you liquidate. Yeah. Wasn't that up to 10, wasn't it 10 million at one time? Yes, it was 10 million about two years ago. And they brought it down to one, haven't they? They brought it down to one million pounds. Yeah. I yeah. claimed it once, you Yeah. And uh, the problem we have or the challenge we have is one million might become zero in the near future. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I hear. They might get to 250 in between. They <laughs> might do. I think that's unfair, by the way, because most small business owners, generally speaking, don't make that much money. And they have, most of their money is stuck in the capital value of their business. So at some point in the future, 5, 10, 15, 25 years later, they have the intention or want to sell the business. When they do, they get that big benefit or gain. Uh, and, and it's that 25-year investment that gets them the gain, okay? And if you take that away from them by taking away the entrepreneur's relief benefit, I think that's pretty harsh and cruel, personally. I'd have left that there to encourage more people to invest in their businesses, have a go, grow the business, and think at some point in the future, I may be able to sell it and uh, then hopefully be able to retire. Mm -hmm. I'm, I can't talk politics with you, Oliver, because... Yeah. 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 Now I'll upset everybody in the room, by the way. Yeah. And then Melissa ain't going to be happy with me at all. Yeah. But there you go, yeah, that's right. So we did something similar for Jerry Rice and saved him best part of £30,000 in one go to do the entrepreneur's relief. And this chap here, uh, and if you, if you type in his name, Jeremy Rice Tribunal Case, you'll see it all on there, it's online, it was well documented and, and reported. His accountant said to him, you can claim entrepreneur's relief. He did do so, 
if the second hand car says a person at the time uh, and he had that scenario which we're talking about with you Pete where he had his property uh, which he was using for his car sales business the car sales business shut down uh, and he sold the property within I think two years or, th or three years after shutting down uh, and HMRC said you can't claim entrepreneur's relief but his previous accountant had done it uh, and then his accountant put his hand up and said I can't do anything Jerry, Jerry came to see us we took the case to tribunal uh, and demonstrated to HMRC that he could claim entrepreneur's relief and to give you a quick gist of the case is this so he was working from a high street had his, had, had, had his business there he then moved into uh, a different home okay and his house had a big driveway stroke garden and he changed his business from selling from a high street to anybody who walks in to selling cars online so you, so you could only buy the cars from him online because he was sick and tired of people coming in seeing the car or the tire kicker type of business he wanted to change it HMRC said you can claim entrepreneurs relief if you sell the business, remember, earlier today, or if you cease trading, yeah? So his accountant, he ceased trading. HMRC says he hasn't ceased trading. You're selling cars there, and you're selling cars there. So how, how, how can you claim entrepreneur's, entrepreneur's relief if he hasn't ceased trading? We took it to tribunal and said to the, to the judge, this is a different business to this. That's a walk-in business. This is an online retail business. And on an online retail business is very different to a high street business. That business ceased and he started something different. And the tribunal judge said, you're absolutely right. An online business is, is different to a walk-in retail business. Therefore, this business ceased and therefore he can claim entrepreneurial relief. That's what happened there. Yeah? The reason why you want to get out of the premises as well, like Say, for instance, uh, you have the only sort of qualified half a mil, then you can, and you do something else. You can go back in, can't you, if you've got another half a mil? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Up, up until they withdraw entrepreneurs leave or take it down to 250 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when that happens, it happens. Yeah. They're talking about it, aren't they? They are. So, quite, you see from the example I shared about Vicky Martin or Jerry Rice or, or other people, if you have a particular scenario or situation, whether you're buying a property uh, or the SDLT is a little bit different and you're not sure anything, how do I structure something or does something work or not, you have the option of doing a strategy session with me, which is where we sit down, look at your particular scenario and then to help you get to where you want to get to in the quickest, most efficient and effective way. If you want to do that with me, it's 2497 plus VAT and you can book that through the office. If you want to do it with one of my team members who are also experienced, they'll do a similar job for you for 1497 plus VAT. So this could be anything, by the way, from am I, is my business structure correct to, for example, how do I get to a stage where I'm going to we talked about it briefly, to get my business from an HMO to service accommodation, or anything else that we've talked about today, or anything we haven't talked about today, could be in IHT or something else. Happy to do that for you. Something else which I think you ought to know about, similar to entrepreneur's relief, is investor's relief. This is when you go out and ask somebody to invest in your property business 
It cannot be an investment business, has to be a trading business. So to keep it really simple for you and link it back to over here, an investment business is for our purposes where you buy property like Robert, you hold on to it, you don't sell it, you rent out a property, that's an investment business. Service accommodation is treated as a trading business as long as you meet the, the rules we shared earlier through dawn or if you're doing a bed and breakfast or a hotel. Rent to rent would be a trading business. Deal sourcing mark would be a trading business. So other than holding on to property and renting it out, everything else, commercial conversion, as long as you're selling, will be a, a trading business. If you're doing something like that, this applies well to uh, commercial conversions. If no, HMOs are in the investment business camp. Unless it's rent to rent. Unless it's rent to rent, that's right. Because then you're charging a commission on you to some extent. Yeah. Um, so if, if you get money from an investor, okay, and you give them shares on day one, you can't give them shares later. So when you form the company, you have to give them shares on the, at that time. If you form a company and three months later somebody comes in to give you some funds, don't use that company, form a new company. And then give them shares. And it's not expensive to form a new company, by the way. Form a new company, give them shares, and then they keep their shareholding in there uh, for uh, three years. They can then, and then when that company makes profit, any, any profit they get on their investment, they only pay 10% tax on the value of the shares. So let's run through that example I said earlier. You've got a commercial conversion, you refurb, redevelop, you sell the units, okay? But in this particular case, let's say you sell the shares. You sell all the shares, when your investor gets his, the uplift in his shares, he or she only pays 10% tax, okay, on the uplift, up to 10 million pounds. So this is in line with entrepreneur's relief, but entrepreneur's relief was reduced from 10 million to a million pound, this stays at 10 million. So the benefit for you, very simply for this afternoon, is if you've got people who have got cash, who wanna invest in your trading businesses, just tell them about investors' relief. That's an extra uh, Brucey bonus for them to invest with you, and they could possibly pay 10% tax on the first 10 million pounds they make with you. Big saving. This is massive. Dana. So is that on anything they put? They don't sell their shares. That's just basically their investment interest income, whatever we're splitting there in that company. They're paying 10% on the value of the shares, because the, the, on the profit, the company pays corporation tax, doesn't it? So when they sell their shares, the value of the shares. Okay. Yeah? And that can happen because you might buy their shares, mm. somebody else might buy their shares, or you both of you might sell so all the shares. Get rid of yeah, okay. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.